The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Masarowski. House Republicans voicing strong opposition to the Senate bipartisan bill to overhaul the immigration system just hours after Senate negotiators released what's in the 118 billion-dollar proposal. Ike Jachi reports from Washington. Overnight, House Speaker Mike Johnson said the Senate's border bill would be dead on arrival in the House, writing, this bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president has created. Conservative Oklahoma Senator James Langford, the lead negotiator for Republicans, responded to Johnson's criticism. I'm a little confused how it's worse than I expected when it builds border wall, expands deportation flights, expands ICE officers, border patrol officers. Opposition could also come from the left, with immigration advocates critical of new limits on asylum. Well, those who work with the immigration system every day says the border crisis is having an impact in new ways. Here's WBEN's Tom Puckett. Under U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services' new asylum program fee, there will be a significant increase in legal immigration filing fees. And this wasn't shocking news. We knew it was coming. Immigration attorney Rosanna Berardi. What we didn't know was that tucked inside of these fee increases, there is a new fee called the asylum program fee, which is mildly controversial to say the least. Berardi says it will cost $600 more for U.S. employers filing for lawful immigration status on behalf of foreign nationals. U.S. employers are not going to be happy about this. It's already super expensive to file cases, and uh, this was something that everyone was a bit surprised by. She says the fee transfers the responsibility of addressing inefficiencies in the migrant system to corporate America. Hear more from Berardi online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Thank you, Tom. Hamburg police this weekend identified the woman who was shot and killed by a police officer Friday morning. 36-year-old Lisa Height of Jamestown was shot during a burglary on Willett Road. On Saturday night, Jamestown police say the woman's sister, 33-year-old Brandy Height, was arrested for a series of crimes, including breaking into a home and stabbing a resident. She's charged with assault, burglary, resisting arrest, and is in custody in Jamestown. We'll we'll have uh, more on that story just developing even further over the weekend as we continue here on WBEN. 504 on WBEN, the U.S. and United Kingdom conducting a second wave of assaults in the Middle East, hitting 36 Houthi targets in Yemen. Kelly Mayer has more on what we can expect from the president returning to the White House tomorrow. The president is set to return to the White House for the first time since launching these strikes both in Iraq and Syria and those joint strikes on Saturday with the United Kingdom. And he'll return likely to an endless stream of questions from reporters, including myself, of the future of this back and forth with Iran-backed forces and the concern that this could be escalating into a wider conflict, which is exactly what the White House doesn't want happening. The Houthis had been conducting almost daily missile or drone attacks against commercial and military ships transiting the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden and have made clear they have no intention of scaling back that campaign despite pressure from American and British troops. Boeing is conducting a new investigation into quality control after a problem found during the production of 737 MAX jets. The company says workers flagged misdrilled holes on 50 undelivered planes. Reuters reports there was a spacing problem on holes drilled on the window frames. Boeing CEO saying, I want to thank an employee at the supplier who flagged to his manager that two holes may not have been drilled exactly to our requirements. That's Derek Dennis reporting. 
I just every wow. single week there's something more right. that kind of makes you question those planes and might have you doing a little bit of a double take there. But the attention is on, and I, it is kind of it starts with one problem. This is how it usually works, right? Right. It starts with one problem. Then, as you have the attention on, and they're going, you know, with a fine tooth comb over every little bit of it, and all of a sudden you find more and more and more, and it becomes it becomes like, Whoa. it's jarring. Yeah, really. uh, absolutely. At the end of the day. Well, an extremely strong storm pounding Southern California with historic amounts of rain and wind. The heavy rains have been falling nonstop since Sunday afternoon. Alex Stone is in L.A. County. Today the issue will be flooding. It's been so many hours of this extremely heavy rain pounding the area. L.A. Mayor Karen Bass is telling everyone to be ready to evacuate. Keep your devices charged and have your emergency supplies and medications on hand. She's asking people to work remotely today if they can to avoid getting on the roads and driving. Alex Stone, ABC News in L.A. County. I mean, you hear the rain in the background there. Right. The uh, weather map I've seen, I haven't really seen too much, uh, you know, video from around there, but I saw the National Weather Service, what they put out. I mean, it's it's jarring, and we've seen our fair share of, like, jarring weather maps here in western New York, but the amount of rain they're getting in such a short amount of time. Right. It's several months' worth of rain in a couple of days, basically. I, it's crazy. And then the downpours that really only last a few hours. I mean, it's like a deluge right. just opening up And then the they've floodgates. got the mudslide danger. I mean, they're telling people to work from home, not venture out. You know, make sure you've got everything charged up. I mean, it's like this is a, a full-blown And then storm. they deal with a whole bunch of different stuff because up on the hills, like, they'll have the map. Oh, here's the snowfall that you're going to get. Right. That, like you know, six feet. Depending on the elevation that you're on. So it, it is pretty wild out there in California. I do have to uh, say that. Well, 508 on WBEN. FIFA announcing the 2026 World Cup final will be played at New Jersey's MetLife Stadium. Otis Livingston has more. It was a fight between New York and Dallas when it came to where the 2026 World Cup final would be played. In the end, FIFA chose MetLife Stadium. MetLife will host the final match of the 2026 tournament on July 19th. The World Cup will span a record 39 days over 16 cities throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. The tournament kicks off June 11th in Mexico City, while the first match in the U.S. is the next day as Team USA plays in Los Angeles. Yeah, so the U.S. will play its group stage games in L.A. and Seattle, which I was not happy about. No, <laughs> but the final, are you, I thought of you when I heard this last night. Is that, does that entice you to go to New York to see this? I, I unfortunately do not own an oil uh, well in Texas or, you know, uh, <laughs> like anything like that. I'm just like thinking, that. well, it's East Coast, it's, you know, I will uh, unfortunately be unable uh, to attend the World Cup final due to my lack of finances and standing. And <laughs> really, you need to own an oil well, basically, oh, to follow I mean, World yeah. Cup? The, uh, I mean, they do, they will release tickets for fans. Yeah. But it's such a small, I mean, you have to, it's like winning the Powerball to be able to go to the wow. World Cup final. Uh, and then, you know, all the other tickets are. Right. You got to be like uh, Kim Kardashian or something like that to oh. afford to get in. Um, I don't know how much a plane is to Seattle or L.A. to see the U.S., but I'm hoping that I got to look at the little schedule matrix to see maybe a group stage game will be played on the East Coast. If not, 
Toronto set to host six games, okay. which, I mean, that's the closest the World Cup uh, is ever going to come to Buffalo, so you got a chance there. All right. Hey, and several standout moments last night from the Grammys. One of the first performances of the night was a special one. You got a fast car. Tracy Chapman performing Fast Car, the song she released 35 years ago that's had a rebirth thanks to the man she sang on stage with, Luke Combs. Miley Cyrus won her first ever Grammy, two of them, for her song, Flowers. This award is amazing, but I really hope that it doesn't change anything because my life was beautiful yesterday. Taylor Swift won Album of the Year for a record fourth time, but in an earlier acceptance speech for Best Pop Vocal Album, announced a new album. A secret that I've been keeping from you for the last two years comes out April 19th. Other older acts also took to the stage on CBS from Billy Joel performing his first new music in decades. To Joni Mitchell at 80, performing on the Grammy stage for the first time. I've looked at clouds. Matt Piper, CBS News. I get to listen to that Billy Joel because just from the clip there, like, ugh. The exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast calls for clouds gradually thinning out this afternoon with highs in the mid-30s and light winds. Clearing skies tonight turning colder, overnight lows tumbling into the mid-20s. Plenty of sunshine tomorrow with top temps near 40 degrees. Warmer weather moves in by midweek with sunshine in mid-40s on Wednesday. Partly sunny skies with highs in the low 50s by Thursday. With the exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Mary Beth Robel. Nate Martin. Buffalo Public Works Commissioner is joining me live right here on WBEN on the Trocare College Live Line. Nate, good morning. Hey, good morning, Susan. How are you this morning? Great. It's uh, good to hear from you. Everybody seems to be enjoying this break in the winter weather, right? Parks were jammed over the weekend. Everybody's getting out, enjoying the sun. I mean, the snowplow crews, they're enjoying it too, right? You can actually get a jump on uh, this, this weather on potholes. Well, you know what? It's been, it has been a good stretch for us. I mean, we you know, we're in a state of readiness all the time, right? We're halfway through winter, I guess, technically in on on paper anyway, with the with the seasons on paper. But um, you know, so we're 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 ready as we need to be for the next snowfall that's coming, although we have a break now. But yeah, this warm stretch has been really good for um our teams to be able to focus on uh the potholes. We we do that every day, so we've got crews that go out every day, but um certainly on Warm weekends, um, or, or, or good weekends, I should say, relatively warm weekends with sun and dry conditions. The blitz we did with seven crews was just a, a great opportunity uh, over the weekend. All right. How did they do? I mean, did they take care of everything, or are you still working at it? <laughs> well, I, 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 they didn't take care of everything. So we've got a large city, I think 1,600 lane miles of roads in the city. So, uh, But those seven crews worked across the city. Um, you know, we don't. I don't have an exact count, but I'm – I'm guessing the pothole fill was in the hundreds. So we had targeted areas that we went to based on 311 calls. So we, we always encourage all of our community members and residents to call those in and we get to those. And then we would say, you know, we also sent our crews on some of our main routes to just go down and, and fill, you know, potholes as you see them. I visited a crew um, Saturday morning. Uh, we, had, we, were, we were at William and Bailey, uh, a couple of potholes targeted. And then our crew just went off, you know, south on Bailey and just, you know, went carefully and slowly and just filled in as they went. So, you know, a really good, I think, a good response over the weekend. It's probably hard to do it during the week, right, on a busy weekday. It's it's much tougher, certainly, especially on a lot of those thoroughfares that have a lot of traffic and commuters coming to and from into the city to go to work uh, and around. So it is a little trickier. So those weekends are really great for us when we have 
our crews are able to get on some of those mains where the traffic is less intense over the weekend. You know, we still have traffic, so we've got flashers on and alerts for drivers and um, and, you know, all the drivers that we've heard this weekend have been great respecting our crews and being careful around our crews because um, we are in the in the roadway doing the work. But, yeah, it is a little easier on weekends for sure. All right. Where are the biggest problems? You know, there's not one area in particular. Um, you know, the city has a lot of older infrastructure, so it, an older road in general that has gone through so many freeze-thaw cycles, either in, you know, the season or just over the years. So there's not one area in particular um, that is the trouble. We we do paving, mill and paving, full road restorations every year across the city. And unfortunately, you know, we're in the Northeast and those weather cycles impact uh, the roads, not only city roads, state roads and county roads and the throughway, as we all know, are always impacted by these cycles. So, you know, across the city, we have this issue, but our crews work pretty diligently on a daily basis. And then, you know, certainly on a blitz weekend where we had seven crews this weekend, I think we had three crews out last weekend. Um, we're able to, to, to push those a little bit uh, more aggressively. Yeah, And can you attack them during the week as well, or do you just try to, try to keep it to weekends? No, no, we, we certainly do it uh, during the week. So we have a crew, we have pothole crews that are dedicated every day. We've got that 48-hour you know, guarantee. If you call it into the 311 uh, line, we'll, we'll get on that. We'll get it on our schedule. Our crew will go out and, and um, get it repaired as soon as we can. So, you know, we do it on a daily basis throughout the entire year. Um, you know, when you're when you're doing a repair in winter, you know, the cold affects that patch material a little bit. But we still want to get it filled and get it back to at least the, the road level surface uh, to get us through the season. Yeah. Do you know what streets you'll be looking at today? I don't have that off the top of my head, but um, we do. A, we've got a, a daily setup where all those calls come in, and we'll roster card them and assign those to our teams. So um, I don't necessarily get a copy of what those routes are every day, but you know, you'll have uh, our crew, um, you know, out around parts of the city. Um, they they fill up in the morning with patch material, and they head out and uh, and fill holes. And if they're making good progress, they'll come back, you know, multiple times if needed to just to keep filling, um, you know, across their day, daily work. You know, Nate, on the process of filling potholes, I, and I know in the winter you got to do one thing and then you go back in the spring when temperatures are warmer to make a more of a permanent fix. But is there is the technology improving for the pothole fix or are we doing the same thing that we've been doing for years and years? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, on a, on a temporary basis when you're in the middle of winter and it is relatively cold, um, you know, this is the easiest, quickest um, process to get something filled up. We I've talked to our county counterparts as well, and it's it's the material that we're, we use in, in the, I'll say, the northeast region in general. Our, our ideal preference would be in warmer weather, you know, wait until warmer weather, cut them all, square them off, fill them in, roll them. Uh, more effectively, but you know that's just um, that's not something that that we want to do as a city, and we want to do as a department to let those go longer than we have to. So um, we fill them, we, we roll them, we we bring them up to that surface level as as good as we can for you know uh, the the moment that we're in. Um, hopefully that holds, and if it doesn't, we'll come back and you know repair, repair it again when when the weather starts to break. All right, and you said at the uh, at the onset you're halfway through winter. What do you think so far with your crews, with your supplies? Yeah, yeah, it's been, um, I mean, it's been a, a relatively um, g- good season, I'll say that. We've got pl- plenty of supplies. We've got our salt piles, pl- plenty of salt left in our piles and the ability to purchase more for the season. So no concerns there. 
Um, our crews have, have been, you know, it's green grass now, so we're not out plowing, but our crews, you know, during those winter times and winter moments, and certainly a couple of weeks ago during the storm, uh, performed, you know, well. They were out there working hard for all of our residents. So, you know, I think our, our team is prepared for the next storm. I'll say that, you know, whenever it might be. Um, but it's been um, a, a reasonably good winter for us. All right, good. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Oh, my, my pleasure, Susan. All right, and uh, hope you have uh, a lot of luck getting these potholes fixed before the, the next round of winter comes our way. That's Nate Martin. He is Public Works Commissioner for the City of Buffalo. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning. Produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.